How are you guys doing? It's good to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, I uh, brought up the, 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 the big guns, my powerful prophetic sister, Jessica, and I'm just going to ask her to pray over me and over us as we prepare to look at the scriptures together. So give them heaven, Jessica. Yes, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We thank you for the power of gathering together as one body, the beautiful bride of Christ. And we ask you to anoint Pastor Joshua's words and give him joy as he releases heaven on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can take that and hand that to Red. He'll take it off your hands. Well, let me tell you, I want to share a story with you uh, this morning. Um, there's, a, there's a congressman, his name's Sam Johnson. He's since gone to be with the Lord. Some of you may be uh, familiar with him. But uh, Congressman Johnson actually was shot down in 1966 over North Vietnam um, during the Vietnam War. And he ended up spending over seven years in the Hanoi Hilton, as it was semi-affectionately or ironically titled by those who spent time as POWs in that particular prison camp. And he was a prisoner of war 42 months of that time in uh, that Hanoi prison camp he spent in solitary confinement, and he was tortured, um, he was constantly beaten, um, he had broken his arm uh, when, he, when he crashed uh, the F-14 that he was flying, as well as was burned on 16% of his body, taken into prison, and then consistently, you know, psychological and physical abuse, and what they, what they would seek to do during that time, of course, you know, it was the war of two major ideologies, communism versus uh, democratic republic idea. And so democracy versus communism. And so what they would seek to do is to get the prisoners. He was actually in the same prison that John McCain was in. But to get the prisoners to become uh, essentially political puppets, to be able to, you know, decry and, and renounce um, democracy and say, you know, communism is amazing. We love it here. We're so well treated. And so they would torture them to try to get them to film them to be able to become propaganda mouthpieces. And he absolutely refused to do it, even in the midst of that torture. And they would, at one point, he shares the story of, of uh, them taking his broken arm and twisting it behind his back and until he would pass out from the pain. And another time, twisting his other arm and to the point that it dislocated his shoulder and, and just on and on and on. Um, this incredible torture that he went through and yet, somehow he survived and, of course, went on to become one of our congressmen and, uh, and served uh, as a congressman in Texas for many years. And as I said, he's now with the Lord. But, being, but upon being asked, you know, how did you survive this kind of torture, this constant onslaught over seven years? I mean, imagine that right now. We're in a, we're in a, in a pandemic moment right now, and, you know, we're wearing masks in church, you know. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's inconvenient. It's frustrating. For some people, uh, you might not have a medical reason where you can't wear a mask, but, you know, you, get, you feel claustrophobic when you got that thing on you, and it's just, it creates a, a barrier um, and, you, and we don't know how long this is going to last, you know, so it's, you kind of have that anxiety of like, good night, how long are things going to be weird? You know, right? I mean, it's just like, oh, this is weird. I don't like how it feels. Well, he's in a prison for seven years, over seven years being tortured, having no idea when he's going to be released, having no idea when the war is going to be ended. And, and what he does know is that his, his captors have all the power at, as far as where he's going to sleep, where, what he's going to eat, when he's going to eat, if he's going to eat. Um, and, and they're consistently doing this, but he didn't break. And many people at that time died there in the prison, and they were suffering the exact same treatment as him, and 
they weren't burned on 16% of their body and they didn't, you know, the, the, the treatment was similar, but they eventually, like what would happen is people would reach a point where they just gave up and they would die soon after. Viktor Frankl writes a lot about this, of the same phenomenon in, uh, during the Holocaust. And, and what would happen is that people would lose the reason of why they were gonna continue to live. And when you lose that reason, that why, then your, your life immediately begins to plummet. You lose the fight, you lose the, the, the will to live. And so when, when Sam Johnson was asked, what, what was different for you than some of those others that weren't able to endure that season of horror to, how, what kept you going? How come you lived and others died? And he said, well, the, that's easy. He said, the reason why I didn't give up and the reason why I lived was because I never stopped thinking about the long view, that God is good and this is going to end well because God is good. Like we will prevail. Like even if they kill me, I know what the end is going to be. Amen. And when we're going through any season of life, in fact, David, the psalmist, encouraged us as he said, it's important that we consider the end of our days, that we realize that our life is but a vapor. This is important for us because what it does is it actually causes our brain to be able to contextualize whatever it is that we're going through so that we don't lose the, va the vision and throw off restraint. You guys are familiar with that proverb that a people without, without vision perish. And in another place, a people without vision, prophetic revelation, without the understanding of what God's doing, they, they, they perish. Well, our brain is wired to look at the long view. What is the vision? Where are we going? And then we're able to ascertain and contextualize how and why we're going to get through today. If we know why we're, if we know why we're going to get through today, which is where we're going. Are you with me? If we know what that vision is, suddenly it provides us context to be able then to align our behaviors, our attitudes, our words, and our thoughts with that big picture. And then we're able to go through extraordinary things because we didn't lose sight of where we're going. Amen? We don't lose sight of the long view. Well, come with me to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 12. This is Jesus speaking, and this is at the, this is at the, this is the big culmination. And he says to us, and behold, this is Jesus speaking, and behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Come on. Come on. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and bride say, come, and let him who hears say, let's try that again. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him come and take the water of life freely. Saints, this is the long view. 
We, when we were, uh, when, when uh, Mercy was young, we taught her that uh, Revelations 22.12, we put it into a little rap. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. And we go, wicked, 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 wicked. And so she learned that when she was just a kid. But I encourage you, turn it into a rap, because remember that we have a promise from Jesus that he is coming quickly, and not just to rescue us out of troubles, but actually to come for a victorious church. He will complete the work, but every single thing that we're doing will be rewarded. In fact, in Matthew uh, 25, 31 through 45, we're not going to go there, but Jesus says to them, listen, whatever you did for the least of these, this is when he tells them, you know, you visited me in prison, you gave me water when I was thirsty, you fed me when I was hungry, you clothed me when I was naked, and they said, Lord, when did we do these things for you? And he says, if you did it to anyone in my name during this life, you did it to me. And then he says, the converse is also true. He goes, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And to the degree that you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Jesus is going, I take this personal, how you live your life. No matter what the circumstance is, you are accountable for how you act in every circumstance. Either in line with who I am and who I've called you to be. Christ formed in you to act like Jesus in every situation. And I will give you a reward for what? What does the scripture say? According to your work. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift that was purchased by Jesus. We have that because of what he did. But there is a reward for what you purchase through your actions on earth. Just say, it matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, what I do matters. You need to know that. Say it again. What I do matters. What you do matters. Amen. What you do matters. This is a real key for us because what happens is in times, and we're in one right now, we're in a strange, chaotic time. Those feelings you're feeling are real. That sense of of sort of a lack of control is real. Your brain is doing things right now and trying to align itself with reason on what to do and how to get there right now. And I want to tell you good news that we actually have these beautiful scriptures inspired by the Spirit of God passed down for ages and generations that tell us how to live not only in the good times, but also in the crazy times. And they don't change. They're really, 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 really powerful. And they're very, very, very important for us to seek what God has to say so that we can respond in any season. And especially in these seasons. Amen? So we know what the vision is. We know that God has said, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to you according to your work. And he goes on to say, blessed are those who do his commandments. And those are easy, guys. Those are, well, they're they're easy to understand. Love God with all your heart, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as much as I love them and make disciples as you go. That doesn't change for us whether we're in the middle of a war, whether we're in the middle of a recession, whether whether we're in in the middle of a boom or a bust, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or extraordinary health. 
these commands actually never change. So just like our, our congressman, um, Sam Johnson, he understood, I know what the outcome is going to be, so I'm going to live each day in the context of what will happen, regardless of whether I live or die. I'm not going to change whether or not I obey the, the commandments of God. I'm not going to change whether or not I'm for democracy or for communism, which the war was over in the, at that time, was the war that they were fighting were over those ideologies. Like, I'm not going to switch just because things are weird. I'm not going to become a communist because the communists tell me I have to be one. I know who I am, and I know what the outcome is going to be, so I'm not going to give up in the middle. And it gave him the strength and the power because he understood why he was going to do what he was going to do each day. Viktor Frankl talks about that. Those that are in extraordinarily horrific circumstances will continue to live and even thrive in horrific situations if they know why they're doing what they're doing. Even if it's, if for some of them it's like, man, I got this other prisoner and he's counting on me that I'm going to get up and I'm going to say good morning. We made it another day. And so I'm not going to give up because they're counting on me to say that. Amen? Now I want to tell you, as, a, as an optimist, this is a really important, see I'm naturally wired as an optimistic person. I didn't even do anything to earn it. God just gave it to me. And sometimes it's a real gift. Sometimes it's real tiresome for people around me. Um, <laughs> But the reality is optimism actually won't help us in times like being in a prison camp. In fact, one of the things that Sam Johnson said was he said the first people to die were the optimists. Boy, that pierced me right through the heart. Like, are you flipping kidding me? He said the reason why is because an optimist is wired that way, but they will oftentimes, if an unthinking optimist, an unexamined life is not worth living, right? An unthinking optimist will, will attach their positivity to a circumstance in the, in the near future. And when that doesn't happen, okay, guys, that's all right. You know what? The war's going to be over by Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving comes and goes. The war's still going. Well, it's going to be Christmas. Christmas comes and goes. It's going to be New Year. New Year comes and goes. And after a little while, that optimist dies. Why? Because the optimist out of their natural bent is actually assigning their hope to a circumstance. We cannot afford to assign our hope to a circumstance right now. Ever, really, but definitely in times when it's an unknown that's happening right now. We're in, a, we're in an election year. We're in a pandemic year that's going on. We've got things going on with the economy that are happening. These are very real circumstances that are outside of our control. And if we, in an unexamined way, apply the, our optimism to short-term circumstances, what we're doing is we're actually saying these circumstances will determine my behavior, my hope, my joy, etc. But the Lord says here in Revelation, behold, I'm coming quickly, my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And he says, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they would have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Outside are those who are immoral, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. What's happening? For you and I, no matter what's going on, we are continuing to do the commandments of Jesus. And our hope is attached to being rewarded at the end of our life, as well as in this life, by the way. Says any of us that leave mother or father or houses or anything for the name of Jesus will not fail to receive a hundred times more mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, houses and riches, as well as eternal life, and with it, suffering. So we're rewarded in this life and in the next life. But there's suffering. It's a part of this life. So if you're suffering right now, I just want you to feel affirmed right now. Like that thing you're feeling, it's real. And you're right on schedule. 
as long as you're suffering for the right reasons. If you're suffering because you're making bad decisions, let's talk about that too. Are you guys with me? So we look at the picture and it gives us context on how we are to live in the middle of sufferings, in the middle of a pandemic. And we need that right now. We need to know how to live. We need to know what to do and how to get there. What is God requiring of us right now during this particular part in season? Amen? I mean, how many of you guys want to know what to do and how to get there? Yeah. And so here's the great news. Circumstances, no matter what they are, never change what we're called to do. And I, I let, in fact, let me just, uh, let me show you that. Uh, I believe it's Galatians. Galatians 5, 22 through 26. I want to just show that to you real quick. I don't know that I gave that one to you, um, Tyler. I think you asked for it, and I was like, oh, no, no, I won't use that one, and now I'm going to use it. Listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So no matter what's going on, the fruit of the Spirit is always what we're up to. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk also in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Come on. And verse 9, uh, chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So no matter what's happening, we are contextualizing, okay, this is a short-term problem. This is a short-term situation. Uh, so for instance, right now, we're wearing masks. I have mine off because I'm allowed to have mine off while I'm speaking, and I'm also way far away from you. So the, the, the momentary law of the land is when you're gathering in public spaces, wear masks, and stay six feet away from each other. And this is what our governor and our state is asking, as is the nation. And it's irritating for a lot of us, and we're gonna get into that for a moment, but there's an obstacle right now to the normal flow of life, amen? There's an obstacle to the normal flow of life, but how many of you know that that obstacle in no way actually impedes my ability to do the commandments of Jesus? Faithfulness, kindness, patience, self-control. Don't provoke one another. Love one another. Amen? There's no impediment that's been put upon me in this momentary affliction. Now, this is far short. I was just reading an article um, this morning of, of um, just this last week, 135 different believers were killed in India by Hindu extremists. And the horrific things that the police did to a couple of men before they then killed them for their faith couple of pastors, uh, and they, they absolutely def tortured them and defaced them and then killed them for their faith, and they did not recant. They, they, they stay, they would not deny the Lord. They died a good death, a martyr's death unto the Lord, and they are before Christ right now receiving their reward. Our beloved sister in Cuba, uh, Alita, she is constantly followed by the police. Uh, they, they come in, pick her up, take her in, interrogate her for a few hours weekly because she dares to have a church and continue to pass the church. That's just part of her life right now. They are, but you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't change her behavior. She is still one of the most, I mean, Red will attest to this, she's one of the most kind, patient, incredible, persevering, loving people you will ever met. Extraordinarily brilliant leader. Leading and planting churches all over Cuba. It's, Cuba is totally against them doing that. 
they're 100% keep doing it. Why? Because their mission to follow the commandments of Jesus don't change based on that external pressure. Amen? And, and there's no, there's no, it's not confusing for them what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to preach the gospel to all people. What are we called to do? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. And how do we do that? By overthrowing governments and then setting up Christian Sharia law in nations. No, that's not what he said. In fact, the Jews wanted to do that back in Jerusalem. And he told them, no, actually, I want you to go and share your testimony of Jesus Christ to each individual. And my kingdom will be released in the hearts of people because the kingdom is within you. So we're all called to share the good news of Christ at all times. And there's nothing about this pandemic that makes that impossible for us. That doesn't change, does it? Like if we look at the big picture that everything we do in his name, he will reward all of our behaviors, everything that we're doing right now. He looks at that and goes, well done. In fact, there's a scripture where uh, it's in Matthew where he says, if you give a cup of water, that's Matthew 25, if you give a cup of water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Isn't that incredible? Even the smallest of things, Jesus is saying, if you do this in my name, if you understand the big picture of what my kingdom represents and you're engaging in love and seeking to serve the needs of the people around you, how many of you guys know that Jesus came as the ultimate, most humble servant we've ever seen? He came and he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And how did he do that? By being stripped naked, humiliated in front of everyone, whipped, and then dying our death on a cross for all the sins that have ever been committed. He served to that point, debasing himself. Yes, he didn't have to put a mask on while he was on the cross. But they did put a crown of thorns on his head. What's the point? The point is that for love, Jesus was willing to endure all suffering. And I'm just saying that in this moment, we have to contextualize that. I'm not trying to browbeat or patronize anyone. I'm saying that our brains are having a hard time contextualizing some of these things because we don't really know how long it's going to last. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. We don't even know if, if this is actually an effective way. Like, do you, you understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm not, and I'm not uh, I don't really want to get into those details per se, but I'm just saying, like, even if we disagree with the strategy we still are called by these scriptures to know how to respond while we do different things because we are not actually the ones that are in charge. Is anyone in here the governor? Okay. Is anyone in here the president? All right. So, so we're actually a part of a, of a community and we're called to live within that community according to Jesus' commandments. And if we take the long view, that becomes much easier to do because we go, wait a minute, Lord, I know at the end of this, you reward me for everything that I've done in these contexts. Are you guys with me on that point? Okay, so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna drill down into this just a little bit. Um, and I wanna talk to you a little bit about your brain and then I'm gonna share a couple of scriptures with you. And I think this, is, I think this will be helpful for us because we're contextualizing this together. And how many of you guys have had big feelings lately, right? Just raise your hands if this has caused big feelings. Yeah, right? How many of you have just like found yourself arguing with your spouse or with other people when you don't normally argue lately? Yeah, I know. I'm just like, Karen will say something and I just take it in the worst possible way. And she's like, what is happening? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's because things are weird right now. And we're trying to understand how to navigate in the midst of this. And this is helpful because the first thing is, if you pan out and look, take the long view, which we have that advantage in the kingdom of heaven and go, man, behold, his reward is with him. 
and he's coming for me. He's going to reward me for how I respond in this time as well as all time. So this isn't wasted. Anything I'm doing in his name is not wasted. It actually counts. It's good. I'm called to something. It can be understood. And even if it's painful or annoying or whatever, there's a reward for it if I will follow him in this. Can you guys receive that? Let's talk about the brain for a minute. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, he's the author of uh, Boundaries, Boundaries for Leaders, several other books. Phenomenal guy. I just love this guy. And he was actually talking about the way that our brains are wired. Um, One of the things that happens is when uh, we're feeling out of control, when chaos happens or pandemics or or the like, and all of a sudden it feels like all the rules just got changed on you, what happens is your brain immediately seeks to get control. Okay? And by the way, I just want to let you know, that is okay. That is okay. You are actually designed to be in control. Did you know that? How many of you guys are feeling relief right now? You're actually designed, your brain is designed to make sense of things and to be in control. However, the temptation for each of us is to actually try to control the things we have no control over. So we, we naturally try to control things that God actually said, no, I didn't ask you to control that. You, you do need to be in control, and I've even given you control. But here's, here's what you have the ability to control. Yourself. Right? So, so Congressman Johnson, he couldn't control when he was going to get out of that prison. He couldn't control when he was going to be tortured or not tortured. He couldn't control when he would eat, when he would sleep, when they would leave him alone, when they wouldn't, when they would pull him out of... You know, he had no control over any of that. He only had control over what he was going to meditate on and how he was going to respond in each situation. We're in that same place, and we're invited into a kingdom that allows us to embrace the Holy Spirit, the teachings of Scripture, and then exude the fruit of the Spirit. We actually have control over that. And when we contextualize what we're doing, then suddenly then we know why we're going to respond today in each situation. And we say, God, how do I fulfill your commandments to love you with all my heart, strength, and mind, and to love my neighbor as much as you loved them? in the way that you love. How am I going to respond to that? And how am I going to make disciples while I do it? How am I going to do it in a such a way that when people see my life, they go, this is a kingdom I've, I've never seen before. This is attractive to me. Because I'm actually looking at what you're doing and I go, you are different. Like, you're not from this world. I slap your cheek, you turn the other cheek to me. Nobody does that. I yell at you and call you a narrow-minded bigot and you look at me and say, Oh my goodness, I would love to talk more about why you feel that way. And they're like, what? Like, what is, no, you're supposed to yell back at me, you know? So we're called to this completely different kingdom. And the scriptures actually help us to contextualize this. Are you guys interested? Are you going with me on this thing? So here we are in this chaotic time, and our brain seeks control when the rules get changed around us. Now, that's the way you're wired. It actually goes into your limbic system. You're going to go into fight, flight, or freeze. The rules get changed, okay? You're walking, down the, you're walking down the path, having a great hike. You look down, there's a snake. The first thought that comes into your mind is not like, oh, I bet it's friendly. Like, first you just notice it and you go, whoo, right? You jump back. The next thought is, is it poisonous? The next thought is, is it alone? Like, are there more snakes? Okay? And then maybe, did it already bite me? You know, so you're doing a, a quick negative threat assessment, And that is a gift from God. You're seeking to control the things that you can control so that you can have life and life abundantly. That is a gift from God. Amen? Now, 
when something like what's going on right now happens, because that's where we're living right now, is we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic and a political year and a whole lot of yappity yapping going on in the midst of it, right? And, I, and there's many other things too, by the way. The economy's weird. The, the world is weird. Like there, things are weird right now. We're in a weird season. And we are... Our brains are like, I don't know, right? And, and so we're arguing with our wives and our friends, and we're, we're in a weird space. And I just want to say, you know what? You're on schedule. It is a weird space. How then shall we live? We take the long view. The second thing is we recognize my brain is going to have a whole bunch of thoughts right now. And Dr. Henry Cloud says, by the way, those are important right at first. You know, it's like a... You know when your brain is developing, and you guys have seen two years, two-year-olds, right? And they they're first learning to well, even 18 months, they're first learning to develop their own sense of self, and they're starting to exercise that God-given thing called choice. And so they're becoming individuals. And how do they do that? What's the first thing they say? No, no. no. You're like, I didn't even have to teach you that. I mean, for some kids, it comes before mama. No. Well, that is exactly how we're wired. Their threat comes and we're just like, no. The, the rules get changed. No. So that is okay. That's all right. You know, my wife actually, um, the answer with Karen is always no. And then she'll think about it from there. She, when she's here, she, 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 uh, she nods to that. It's actually quite funny. But it works well for her. But when we're under stress, when we're in these kinds of situations, your brain first is going to start with, no, I do not accept that you just changed all the rules and I don't like it. And then you have a whole bunch of successive thoughts that start coming. But Dr. Henry Cloud says, those are not thoughts, they're farts. They're brain farts. What's happening, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, really? That's all I get? Okay. What's happening, honestly, is your brain is going, it's just, it's doing an assessment and saying, I don't like this and I don't want this and I don't want this and I don't want this. And it's just giving you a list of all the things that it doesn't want. It's morally neutral, but you cannot live your life based on all that negative assessment. That negative threat assessment is not deeper thought. It's not higher thinking. It's not the spirit of God. Amen? And so what you've got to do is first just become aware like, okay, the rules just changed and I don't like it. It's threatening my sense of control. So I don't know what I'm in control of now. So I'm going to say no to all of it. So if you're introducing a new criteria for me for how to live, and let's just use the one that's probably most annoying for everyone, and that is wearing a mask. I have to go to Safeway. I have to put a mask on. No, I won't. No. Okay. Well, why? Because I never had to before, and I, and I think it's stupid. And also, and then you start just making a list, extrapolating all the reasons why you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Now, it's important for us to recognize in these kinds of situations that we're seeking to control something, but what happens is the temptation is to actually try to control all the things around us that we actually never had control over anyway. We're like, I ain't going to Safeway if they're going to try to control me. I'm, ne I'm never going to a place where they control me. It's like, well, actually, Safeway, you never had control over Safeway. Like, if they're closed, did you get in? If they were out of milk, did you buy milk? If, if you were trying to go in naked, did they let you in? 
Like there's a whole bunch of conditions that Safeway already has in place that you have no control over. It's just that when you chose, you understood this is, the, this is how we play the game right now. And I know how to play that game and I can control me and I accept those rules of conduct. You actually thought you had control over them, but you did not. Dr. Henry Cloud uses the example of driving a car. You are not actually driving. You're controlling two pedals and a steering wheel. The car is doing the driving. Like that engine blows up, you're not driving anymore. And then you're like, well, then I'll fix my car. No, unless you're a mechanic, you will get on your phone and call a mechanic and he will or she will fix your car. Are you with me? So there's this sense of like, I'm going to control this. And we have a temptation to do that. But God actually says, you actually have a tremendous amount of power to control you. Are you guys with me? So if that's the case, is this helpful? Because what's happening is, I just want you to know that some of these sen the sense of what we're feeling right now may not be righteous indignation. It may not be, um, it, 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 it can be a lot of things and I don't want to minimize, but I want you to at least become aware of the fact that there's a wiring that's God-given that's in you that we need to navigate in this time and not mistake, using Dr. Henry Cloud's words, brain farts for thoughts. Like, let's dig deeper and say, Lord, I know how I'm feeling right now, but let me take the long view. First of all, oh yeah, that's right. You are going to redeem all things. Romans 8 says, you are working all things to good for those that love you and are called according to your purpose. That means you are working in the midst of wearing dust masks in church for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purposes. You are working in the midst of a arrogant tweet monster who's also our president for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purposes. You are working through a sexually confused, extraordinarily liberal governor right now for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Yeah, it gets real, doesn't it? You're like, no, what? Yes, the scripture says he's actually working to good, all things. That doesn't mean we give up and don't do anything. It just means that we ultimately take the long view and say, Lord, you're so good and you're so powerful. You're actually working in the midst of all things for our good right now. There's nothing that can happen that you won't turn to good. Do you understand? And so we suddenly look at the scriptures and go, oh, okay. If that's the big picture, then I know I'm not actually in danger right now. So I can move from brain farts to thoughts. And again, I'm just using Dr. Henry Cloud's words. I'm not trying to belittle anyone. It just helped me. Because honestly, I constantly struggle with thinking I'm so smart. And then later I think about it, I'm like, that is a totally unsupported idea I have right now. I just prefer it. Come on. So, so we take the long view. And then suddenly we're able to say, okay, Lord, well, let me get out of that fight, flight, or freeze moment. And then let me think about what actually are we talking about right now? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone this in and point this obedience unto the scriptures at mask wearing right now. Because that's where we are right now. And for whatever reason, it's also, I think, I think honestly, I think it's the battle that's closest to home for our own person that actually affects our behavior. So it's the place where our brain goes, no! Like, I, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't, whether you voted for Trump or not, that, that ship sailed. He's in office. Whether you voted for Kate Brown or not, that ship sailed. She's in office. So you don't get to go, I need a different leader that tells me a different thing. It's like, well, that, that, that's already in place. 
at least for a couple more years, right? So, so, so it's like, well, what's the thing that I can control? This stupid mask, I can control that. So it's like, Ugh. and and so I think it's it's actually become the point for us of a lot of thought and passion. So what do the scriptures have to say about that? What do the scriptures have to say about how we can contextualize that? So I just want to give you a couple thoughts about that. First of all, let's go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I always lose that little fellow. Here, Titus. Well, you know what? The more I'm looking, the more nervous I'm getting. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and envying one another. Now, here's what's interesting. Oh, the, uh, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, go back to that first part of that verse, would you, Tyler? Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. God says he's working all things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And Titus is being told by the apostle to remind us to be subject to rulers and authorities and to obey them. Now, obviously, if the rulers and authorities are asking us to do something that's contrary to scripture, then we move into martyr mode. And we go, I'm sorry. And just like the, the apostles did, we say, shall I serve you or shall I serve man? I mean, sorry. <laughs> shall I serve you, you or shall I serve God? You are just a man. Um, so at that point, we hit that. Now, I would say, guys, I don't think that wearing a mask right now violates the law of God. It, that, that would be hard for me to see that in scriptures. Like at this point, that's just hard for me to see. Um, so I don't know where we would look at a scripture that says, man, look at this. This is actually violating the law of God. This is, this is, a, road, this is a, road, it's a road too far. I just can't do that because it actually violates my own conscience before the Lord. So I don't think that's the context of where we are. So, so let's go to another scripture I want you to look at with me. And it's uh, Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7. says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to good for you. To, to, I'm sorry. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to ex execute wrath on him who practices evil. Right now, in our context, there's a fine if you're a business or a public gathering and you don't require people without a medical reason to not wear masks. And there's a fine. So the sword isn't hacking any heads off. So that's helpful. Um, but there is a fine because this is the way that our government 
has chosen to deal with this particular pandemic to slow, to slow it down. Um, therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes. To whom taxes are due. I'm sorry, let me say it again. Therefore, render to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Now, there are those of us that are, that are in this room, and, and I've heard a lot of different arguments, and I, and I think there's merit to, to, to all of the, of the arguments. I haven't heard an argument that doesn't have some merit in it. And I would say primarily when it comes down to wearing masks at this point, we kind of have, to, 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 to bring it to as simple of a point as I know how, is that we have those that are like, you know what, it's, it's a really good strategy, let's do it. And there are those that are saying, I think it's a stupid strategy, so therefore let's not do it. And take issue uh, wait, that, that, sound, that came off as very patronizing. Let me try to say that again. There are those that take issue with the strategy, and so therefore they're like, this strategy? I don't agree with it at all. Like, here's the sci scientific reasons why I feel like this is a poor strategy, and therefore I'm not going to do it because it's a poor strategy based on the, on the science that I've seen about this. Does that make sense? And then there are those that are like, I think the science and the strategy is a good one, and here's the science that I'm citing for it, and that's why I think it's a great strategy, so I'm going to do it. And it doesn't bum me out at all. It's, ir it's, fr it's irritating. Nobody likes having a mask on, I don't think. Um, but I'm willing to do it. It doesn't bother me at all. I'll just pop it on. Um, so is that fair? So the, the argument is over, is this a good strategy for how to slow down this COVID pandemic? And then based on people's feelings about the strategy, informs then whether or not they're willing to do it in certain situations. Is that fair? And so if... If you're on the side that would say, I don't agree with this strategy and therefore I'm not going to do this, like I'm just not doing it, then I would like to say, I do respect your position that you're saying, I don't agree with this strategy and it's well within your rights to not agree with that strategy and I think you should talk about it and I think that you should, I mean respectfully and kindly because we're talking about in the fruits of the spirit here, so do it in such a way that the scriptures say, do it in such a way that says that you're, 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 uh, conversations are positive and seasoned with salt and profitable to the hearer for the days are short so that the gospel won't be uh, besmirched because of the way that you're representing it. Like do things in such a way that when people talk to you, they go, I don't agree with you, but I cannot fault who you are as a human being. Amen. That's what we're called. That's how we're called to communicate and talk. Seasoned with salt, profitable for the hearer. That your conduct would actually make Jesus look good not poor and terrible. Amen? So, so, so share in that way. On both sides, by the way, because being a sanctimonious mask wearer and telling other people they're idiots and they don't believe in science is horrific and does not make the gospel look good either. You, 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 are you guys with me here? We're called to do the scriptures. Let's all humble ourselves. If you didn't hear last week's message, listen to it. Walk humbly with our God. So if we don't agree with the strategy or if we do agree with the strategy, on the side where we do agree with the strategy and say, that's this is easy for me to do, well then well done. Continue to love your neighbor as much as God loves them. If you don't agree with the strategy, then I would like to ask you to consider this scripture where it says, render therefore to all their due, based on the strength that God's saying, all authority is God given. And we're honoring the authority because we're honoring God. 
And if God is unhappy with that authority, he's going to talk to them. He's going to move them. But we are going to honor God. And that's why we're honoring the authority. And right now our authorities are saying, put your masks on in public. And if you don't agree with the strategy, I absolutely respect your position. But I would say this, I believe that the scripture then would tell you, render to therefore all their due, taxes to whom taxes, customs to whom customs. The custom of our culture is that during a pandemic in 2020, you're asked in public places, as is the custom of our culture, to put a mask on because you honor and respect the people near you. So you may not agree with the strategy and that's appropriate for you based on the reasons you've shared, but the scriptures would tell you, give custom to whom custom, respect to whom respect. Uh, Red brought up a great scripture in between services. Don't stumble your neighbor. Don't create a stumbling block for your neighbor. And so I believe that contextually, number one, this will pass. Let's take the long view and remember this is just a season. It won't be forever. And no matter what, God promises to work even this to our good because we love him and we're called according to his purposes. That in the end, everything you do, even giving a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, even putting a mask on in the name of Christ, even if you don't agree with the strategy, at least giving custom to custom, you will by no means lose your reward. Amen? And in closing, there's, there's one last thing that I, that I would like to say because I love you and I don't like picking fights with anyone. And my heart's desire, of course, is to, as, as part of gathering, we gather in homes and then we gather here together for the big meeting. And I, of course, want as many people as we're able to have for the big meeting. But right now, the big meeting requires wearing a mask. And I realize that that creates a barrier for some. And, and in fact, today, as you're considering this, you, you might come to the conclusion like, well, if you're going to require that we wear masks in order to be in the big meeting, then I'm going to just watch it online and I, I'm not going to come to the big meeting until this season passes. And I will respect that. I will respect that with sadness because I want to be with you. Um, but if you do that, I would ask that if you, for conscience sake, would say, I cannot worship in the big meeting because it violates my conscience and my understanding of the scriptures and how to apply that. So I can't come to the big meeting if you're requiring masks. Then I say, okay, I will respect that. I'd love to talk with you about it. And I'd love to see why you think that and how that applies. But I will respect it. But I would ask you to be consistent that if you're not going to come into the house of God and worship because of the impediment of a mask, then I would also say, should that not apply equally to your workplace and to your shopping? that you would not wear a mask in any place. If you would make that decision only in the house of God, but not in other places, I, I have a hard time understanding how that's a true conviction. I would ask that you at least apply it equally in all areas and not mar your own conscience in, in such a way. So please consider these things. I hope this was helpful as we navigate this together to live out these scriptures so that in, in all ways, Christ would be made famous through our lives and this season will pass. But this is an opportunity that he's working for our good. I think to humble us, to let us love more deeply, to have an opportunity to solve some problems together. It's definitely made us have to engage with one another in some new ways. But may he work it to our good. Would you stand up? I want to bless you and then we'll, uh, we'll head out. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you shalom. God bless you. Have a great week. Love well and deeply.
Bye-bye.